My wife has been power walking for 30 years. When I say she's been power walking, she power walks. Now, I first noticed how much she power walks about 20 years ago. We lived in Orlando, Florida. My mom and dad had come to visit us. And my dad's six foot two. He's got long legs. He's got a long stride. And back 20 years ago, he was in good health. And he decided he was going to go walking with my wife. My wife went out for morning walk. And he was going to go with her. And they took off. And it didn't take long for my dad to start lagging behind my wife. It was sad. It was disappointing. To be honest with you, I was a little embarrassed for my dad. Here's my six-foot-two dad in good health, long legs, long stride, and my five-foot-six wife was leaving him behind. I felt that way until I went to walk with my wife, and I got left behind. Now, we've been in a series that we've called Power Walking for the last several weeks, but we're not focusing on, on physical walking. We're not focusing on how to get in physical shape. We're talking about how to, to make sure we are spiritually healthy as we're walking through life. In Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul uses that word walk six times. He's talking about how, how we live as we walk through life. The first week, Paul told us how we are to walk through life in a way that is worthy of our calling from Jesus Christ as we walk in the church. And he dealt with how we are to use the gifts that God has given us and how we are to walk in unity, and how we, are we, how we are all to grow in maturity in our faith in Christ. Last week, we focused on how we're not to walk like those who are lost, like those whose minds are confused, like those whose hearts have been hardened to God. But today, I want us to focus on both a practical aspect of, of how we are to walk in victory in this world, but I want us to also focus on the power source behind our victory in this world. Because we need to understand that we're never going to walk in victory until we get connected to the power source that can give us victory. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to focus this morning on verses 15 through 20. I hope you'll follow along as I read. Listen to what Paul says. He says, be careful how you walk, not like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, write this down. This is the bottom line to walking in victory. If you want to have Power as you walk through life, you have to walk in the Spirit. Let me say that again. If you want to walk in power as you walk through life, you have to walk 
in the Spirit. This is what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, when God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to live and rule and reign in your life, the power of God will come to live inside of you. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said this. He said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What I've discovered is that each of us, as we walk through life, are going to pursue one of two things. We're going to pursue the flesh, which is of this world, or we're going to pursue the Spirit. And the Bible says that if we walk after the Spirit, we will not walk after the flesh. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, it's impossible for us to be walking in the Spirit, to be living under the control of the Spirit and fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of this world. And then later on in that same chapter, he said, if you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. In other words, if you say that you are Spirit-filled, then live in such a way that proves it. You see, if you want to walk in the power of God, the only way to do that is to walk in the Spirit. Power for this life. Power to live a life that is pleasing to God is not found through your efforts. It's not found through your determination. It's not found through working harder or working longer. It comes from the Holy Spirit filling your life as you walk in the Spirit. I want you to listen again to what Paul says in verse 18. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, some people, when they read that verse, they get caught up in the first part of that verse. Don't be drunk with wine. And, and like Paul says, drunkenness will ruin your life. Listen to me. It will ruin your life. It's sin. It's destructive. We see this throughout Scripture. But that's not the point Paul is making in this verse. Paul is talking about being filled with the Spirit. Paul is saying, don't be controlled by, don't be under the influence of alcohol or any other substitute that this world gives to control the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk. Instead, be controlled, be under the influence, be completely filled with the Spirit of God. You see, this is the bottom line for Christian living, if we want to walk in the power of God, we have to walk in the Spirit of God. But how do we do that? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, first, let me clarify a couple of things. The first thing you need to clarify is every Christian who is born again, every Christian who has been made new, has had the Spirit of God come to live in their life. The Bible makes that clear. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, if you've been given a new life, you've been born through the Spirit of God. Jesus said this. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict 
of sin and of righteousness and the judgment that is to come. What Jesus is saying there is that the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our hearts, our minds, our eyes to our need for the Savior. He is the one who reveals that we are sinners and our only hope is Jesus Christ. But then the Holy Spirit does something else. The Holy Spirit not only opens our hearts and and our minds and our eyes to the reality that we're sinners and we need a Savior. Jesus said it is the Holy Spirit that gives us a new birth. You see, being born again being, being, receiving the new birth is not when you agree with certain biblical truths. Even the devil believes with biblical truth. Being born again is when the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life and take over your life. You see, salvation is not something you do. Salvation is something the Holy Spirit does in you and for you. The Holy Spirit comes into us when we surrender to him and he changes us and he makes us brand new. Never forget that. You don't make the decision to be saved and all of a sudden you're saved. You are saved when God's Spirit comes to rule and reign in your life. Now, the apostle Paul describes it this way. He says, we have been baptized into one body, one spirit. We all share the same spirit. Now, here's what I personally believe the Bible teaches. I believe that when we are saved and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, we are baptized in his spirit. We are literally completely covered with his spirit. We are filled with his spirit. Every Christian, listen, every Christian who has been born again has been born of the spirit, has been baptized by the spirit. But here's the problem. We still have an old nature. An old nature that is prone to wander from God and go back to the old way we used to live. The songwriter said it this way, prone to wander, God, I feel it. God, prone to leave the God I love. And that's like each and every one of us. Each and every one of us are prone to leave God, even though we love him. And even though we long to live for him, even though we have a desire to serve him, our flesh is still drawn to the things of this world. You see, There is a battle that is raging in the hearts and the lives of every born-again Christian. It is a battle between the flesh and the things of this world and the spirit and the things of God. This isn't just a battle between making morally right or wrong decisions. Every single person battles with making morally right or wrong decisions. Every one of us are born with a conscience. Every one of us has a a, a compass, a moral compass that knows certain things about right and wrong. This, This battle that is going on here that the Bible talks about is not a battle between doing what is morally right and morally wrong. This is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. 
And it is only born-again believers who have this battle. You see, you can be saved. You can be born again, baptized by the Spirit of God, and still give in to the flesh. My only hope, your only hope of overcoming our flesh is being filled with the Spirit. That's why Paul commands, be filled with the Spirit. Paul didn't say this is a good idea. Paul didn't say, I would suggest you think strongly about this. This is in the imperative. Paul is commanding, if you are a born-again follower of Jesus, then be filled with the Spirit. And you are the one who decides what you will surrender to. You are the one who decides whether you will surrender to your flesh or whether you will surrender to the Spirit. You can surrender to your spirit, your flesh, excuse me, which leads to ruin in life. It always will. Or you can surrender to the Spirit, which will give you victory for life. Now listen, if you aren't filled with the Spirit and you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you lose God's presence. That doesn't mean that His Spirit leaves you. The Bible says that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. In Romans chapter 8, Paul makes it clear that nothing can separate us from God if we're found in Christ Jesus. David said in Psalm 139, wherever we go, whatever we do, we can never flee from the presence of God. Understand this, child of God. If you're a Christian, God will never abandon you. You will never lose the presence of God But what you will lose is the power of God in your life. You will discover that you will not be able to live the victorious life that you long to live. And so Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, he's letting us know that we need to be careful. We need to be on the alert. We need to watch out to make sure that we are filled with the Spirit. This isn't a one-time thing. Paul says here, be filled continuously with the Spirit. Every every day and every hour and every moment in which we live, you and I should be yearning to be filled with the Spirit because if we drop our guard, hear me, the flesh will take over. So Paul says, I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus, every moment of every hour of every day, be filled with the Spirit. So how can we do that? How can you and I be filled with the Spirit? Well, if you go online and you Google how to be filled with the Spirit, you'll find all kinds of crazy things. You go to a Christian bookstore and you can buy books that are filled with all kinds of crazy things. There's some good things, but a lot of the things you read in that book, a lot of the things that you'll find online in regards to being filled with the Spirit are pretty absolute crazy. I believe that being filled with the Spirit involves two simple things. It's not complicated. God doesn't want to give you some formula that you have to follow, where you dot every I and cross every T, and if you miss one step, then oops, you missed out. God isn't wanting to make it that complicated. God wants to make being filled with his Spirit something that is easy for us to do. 
It, it may be easy for us to, or hard for us to want to do it, but it's easy for us to do. So how can we be filled with the Spirit? Two things. First of all, we have to empty ourselves. If I want to be completely filled, full of the Spirit of God, totally under His control, I have to first of all empty myself of me. My sinful desires, my fleshly wants, my earthly longings. I have to empty myself of me. You know the reason many of us aren't filled with the Spirit? Because we're too full of ourselves. Do you hear me? It's not necessarily that we're filled with sin because I can be filled with good things that are not God's things. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? You see, being filled with God's Spirit is being willing to empty myself of every single thing in my life. I need to go to God's sink. I need to turn myself upside down, and by the grace of God, I need to be willing to pour out everything in my life and say, God, I want to empty myself of me, my wants, my desires, my longings, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations, and I want you to come back in and fill me. Hear me. You will never be filled with the Spirit when you're full of yourself, when there are still your hopes and your dreams and your desires in your life, you've got to empty yourself of you. And then secondly, you have to open yourself completely. Now, the important word there is completely. If I want to be filled with the Spirit, I've got to open myself completely to His control, completely to His desires completely to his will for my life. But here's the problem. There are many of us who love Jesus. We really love him. We want to live for him. We want to serve him. And we want to be filled with his spirit. But there's this one, this one area. There's this one closet. There's this one drawer that we want to hold on to. It's ours. And we come to the Father and we say, fill me with your spirit. And the Father says, I want to, I am longing to, but, but, but what, is, what is that closet there? And, and you go, what, what, what closet? Lord, what are you talking about? Uh, the closet that is locked there that you don't want to give me access to. What is that? And, and listen, it may be something good. You may be here and you're single and, and you're longing to be married. You're longing for a Christ-like relationship with a husband or wife and, and you're holding on to that and you're doing everything you can to make it happen and, and God's saying to you, turn it over to me. G give me Give me that area. It may be your finances. I mean, you trust God with everything, but when it comes to finances, man, you've got to hold on to it. You've got to be in control. Yeah, God's on his throne, but man, he doesn't control the stock market, or does he? And we hold on to our little things, and we hold the key to our things. 
And we say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to experience whatever you want me to experience. But God, don't ask me to give up that. And God's saying to us, open yourself up to me completely. And when you do that, that's when I can fill you. That's when I can control you. And that's when you will discover that I will give you far more than you could ever want for yourself if you would only trust me. And so when we do that, we are filled with the Spirit. But listen, here's the problem. I'm afraid many of us, perhaps most of us, aren't really wanting the feeling of the Spirit. The Spirit to control us. We don't want that. What we want is the feeling of the Spirit. You say, Rocky, what are you talking about? You said the same thing. No, no. what we don't want is the feeling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G. We don't want the feeling. We, we, we want what we want, and we want God to bless it. And so we, we take our desires, our wants, our wishes, our aims, our goals, our dreams, and we hold them up to God and say, God, these are good, noble things. Bless them. And God's saying to us, but wait a second, those aren't my things. Those are your things. You've got to give those things to me. We don't want the filling of the Spirit because we're still filled with ourselves. What we want is the feeling of the Spirit, the F-E-E-L-I-N-G. We want the experience. We want the excitement. We want the encounter we want all of these things that we hear that other people have and other people have experienced so that we can go on social media and tell what has happened to us or we can go into our little holy huddles and tell what have happened to us. And the problem is, is we're longing for an experience more than we're longing for the one who gives experiences. And what I've discovered is God wants us to long for him regardless of whether an experience comes our way or not. And he will fill us with his spirit, and that may not result in some holy encounter that we hear people talking about. We may not recognize anything supernatural happening in our life, and yet our desires have changed. Our longings have changed. We want to do God's will with all of our heart, even though it is different than anything we ever thought before. Listen, the problem with many of us here in this room is not that we don't love Jesus, we do. It's not that we haven't been born again. I believe that many of us in this room have been born again. God's spirit has come into our life. And you can go back to the moment and you can say, Jesus changed me right here. Problem is, we're just not walking in the fullness of the spirit. We're walking through life in our power. We're walking through life in our direction we're walking through life looking at everything through our lens. The songs that we sing, the scriptures that we read, we are reading them, we're singing them through our lens rather than through the fullness of the Spirit and God speaking truth into our life. 
And we wonder, we wonder why we're not walking in victory. Hear my heart. You can be born again. You can love Jesus and miss the life he has for you. Because you're walking in the flesh. Not necessarily sinful, evil, wicked things. You're just walking in the flesh. You're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the spirit. He's going to guide and direct everything you do. So the power source for victorious living is the spirit. But Paul also gives us some practical ways that we, we flesh this out in our life. And goodness gracious, we could spend 30 minutes, an hour on each of these. But I want to simply give them to you. Just Then you can unpack them on your own. But Paul gives us three things that I believe if we're walking in the Spirit, under the power of the Spirit, that will happen in our life. First of all, I think he says if we're walking in the power of the Spirit, we will walk carefully cautiously because the days we live in are evil. I mean, we'll be careful, we'll be cautious as we walk through life. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, be careful how you walk or or how you live. Then he tells us in verse 16, the days are evil. And then in between this, he says, don't live like fools. Instead, live like those who are wise. Listen to me. Be careful how you live. Be careful what you do. Because the days that we are living in are more evil and more wicked and more deceitful than they have ever been before. You say, Rocky, why do you say that? Well, I say that for a variety of reasons. But I believe that what used to be practiced in the shadows under the cloak of darkness has become mainstream in our culture today. What was seen as sin is now being celebrated. And what was believed by a few has now been embraced by the masses. That's the culture in which we live. And Paul says if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you're going to walk carefully. In verse 14, he talks about waking up. In other words, I think what he is saying there is don't sleepwalk through life. No, you need to be on the alert. Why? Because there are potholes that are going to trip you up all around. Not just wickedness and evil, but there are deceitful things out there that will lead you in the wrong direction. And then Paul said that that those who walk carefully are going to walk like wise people, not fools. Throughout God's word, mankind is categorized with these two terms, fools and wise. We're going to either walk as fools or we're going to walk as as wise people. Paul talked about that to the church at Rome. He warned the church at Rome. And in chapter 1 of Romans, he said this, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. They, They thought they were wise, but they were fools. Then he said, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Because they thought they were wise, but they're fools, what did God do? God abandoned them. God said, okay, have it your way. 
And then it says they did vile and degrading things. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Their lives, be- or their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Now, a fool is somebody who leaves God out of their life. They may give lip service to God, but, but the way they live, they're, they're living with God on the sidelines. But a wise person is someone that is seeking God's perspective and God's direction as they live. A fool is someone who lives for the here and now. A wise person is someone who lives in light of eternity. The Bible tells us that we're to live wisely. Now, how do we do that? Can I give you just one thing? And again, we could spend so much time here, but let me give you one thing. Three times in God's word, three times, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to live a wise life, you've got to understand who God is. You've got to respect him and honor him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the love of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You've got to understand that he is God almighty. He is the all-powerful God, and yet he loves us. Relationship with God begins with fear, awe, respect, and it moves to absolute love. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to live carefully or walk carefully because the days are evil. Second, he tells us that if we're walking in the Spirit, we will make every moment count because life is short. And that's what he says. He says, make the most of every opportunity. I like what it says in the King James translation. It says, redeem the time. That word redeem means to, to ransom, to purchase. It's the word that's used in Galatians 3 to talk about what Jesus did on the cross. He ransomed us from the curse of sin. And what Paul is saying here is just as Jesus ransomed us from the curse of sin, we are to ransom the opportunities that God gives us for the sake of the glory of God. That means... That we take advantage of every moment to bring honor to Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't enjoy life. Life is meant to be enjoyable. But I think what we fail to understand is more than to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be deployed. God has deployed us here on planet earth to make a difference. And so as we walk through life, we need to take advantage of every opportunity that God gives us. And so, if I'm on vacation, what do I do? I use my vacation as an opportunity to bring glory to his name. I may run into people on vacation that I'll never meet before. Who but knows that God may have put those people in your path for a divine encounter. Have you ever thought about that? There are people that you could come in contact with today that you will never see again. Are you going to redeem the time? Are you going to take advantage of the opportunity that God gives you to love them, to serve them, to share the hope that you have because of Christ? We're to redeem the time. 
And then the third thing Paul says here is that we need to discover and commit to God's will because he knows best. And if we are um, filled with the Spirit, we're going to do that. Paul says, understand what the Lord wants. Understand what the will of the Lord is. God created you for a purpose. And you will find joy and you'll find fulfillment in that purpose. I want us to end with this because Paul goes on and he says something else in, in verses 19 and 20. You see, oftentimes we, we think that being filled with the Spirit is going to be accompanied by these signs and these wonders. And the Bible does tell us that there are certain things that happen when we are filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that if we're filled with the Spirit, we will be His witnesses. That's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But in this passage... Paul tells us two things that will happen if we are walking in the Spirit, if we are filled with the Spirit. First of all, he says that we will have joy. We will sing to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart, having joy that comes from our heart. Here's what I know. Listen to me. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, He gives you a joy that is present in your life regardless of what the world throws your way. I promise you, on the authority of God's Word and from personal experience, that when you are walking in the Spirit, whatever comes your way, in the midst of it, God can give you joy. He can give you peace. He can give your spirit a calmness. Whatever comes your way. But he tells us the second thing will happen if we're filled with the Spirit. And that is we will have a thankful heart. That's what he says in, in verse 20. If we're filled with the Spirit, we will recognize that every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. We didn't earn the blessings that we're experiencing. They've come from the grace and the mercy of God. When I look at my life, I see a life that is undeserved. I was born into what you could consider a middle-class home. I wasn't born in, in the ghetto. I wasn't born in poverty. I, I was born in a middle-class home, and, and we didn't have a lot, but we had enough. And, and, and I got the opportunity to, to go to a school and go to college and do all of that. And, and I don't believe that I earned those things. I believe that that was a blessing that God poured out on me. I was born in the home of a mom and dad that loved Jesus. I didn't deserve that, but God blessed me with that. I've been blessed with four kids, eight grandkids, two more on the way. I don't deserve that. God's blessed me with that. I've, I've been blessed with financial blessings. I, I, I don't deserve those blessings. There's some people look and say, I've worked hard for my money. Man, I got to tell you, the way that God has blessed me, I could never work hard enough to do to get what God has blessed me with. I don't deserve those blessings. They're from the hand of God. They're a gift. I've got relatively good health. I, I, I didn't work for that. Yes, I may work out and I may exercise, but you know what I've discovered? Some people are just blessed with good genes. I haven't, I haven't experienced cancer yet. Some people are. I haven't been. I've been blessed. 
I've been blessed to pastor a good church. I've been blessed to pastor good churches all my life. There have been lots of pastors that haven't been blessed that way. Now, did I, did I do something to earn that? i got to tell you, I haven't. I don't deserve to be your pastor. I, I don't deserve to be married to a woman who loves me. I don't deserve to have good health. I don't deserve the financial blessings that have been poured out on me. They are a gift from the hand of God. And when we look at our life and we think, I deserve everything I've gotten more, how to tell you, we're not filled with the Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, we'll recognize anything that's good that's come into our life. It's a gift from God. We're going to be thankful for it. So what about you? Are you filled with the Spirit? Here's what I believe. I believe that the overwhelming majority of you who are sitting here right now and who are watching online, I believe that most of you are born again. I believe that you can go back to a moment in your life where you were convicted of your sin, you surrendered your life to Jesus, and Jesus changed you. You were saved. His spirit came to live in you. I believe that with all my heart. I believe most of us are born again. And yet... I believe most of us aren't filled with the Spirit. We haven't emptied ourselves of our wants, our desires, our wishes, our dreams, our hopes, and opened ourselves to the Lord and said, Here, everything's open to you. Fill me completely. And when we do that, it is then and only then that we will discover His good. His pleasing, His perfect will. And we will discover that what He wants for us is far greater than anything we could ever get on our own. And we'll bring glory to His name. And so if you're here, you're saved, and you're not living a Spirit-filled life, I encourage you, I challenge you today, make the commitment. But then second, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you've never been born again, God's Spirit has never come into your life and changed you, made you new, then swallow your pride, let go of your religion, and let God save you today. I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, surrendered to his control, you're ready to do that, you want to do that, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning asking you to forgive me for all my sin and rebellion. I'm so sorry for living life my way. I don't want to live that way anymore. Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. And today, I'm trusting Jesus to save me. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Take control. Take control. 
from this moment on, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. Amen.